Thank you for tuning in to the World Overcomers podcast. On behalf of our senior pastor, Andy Thompson, we appreciate your continued support and generosity. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast to receive updates when we post new content every week. If you would like more information or want to make a contribution to World Overcomers or Pastor Andy, visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Once again, that is www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast. Enjoy the message. I'm excited to preach this message. And if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're at home and you're taking notes or type it in the chat, the title of my sermon for tonight is Making Moments. Making Moments. And I thought... How do I deliver this message? How do I study this out in scripture? Because we have a great example in our savior of someone that was really real in every moment that he had on this earth. And so I thought, okay, let me think authentic moments. We all love authentic moments. Why do we love authentic moments? I can sit with my son or with my daughter, and we can look at YouTube uh, uh, movies and, and, and reels, and, and we, can, we can see all these fails and all this stuff that lets you in on somebody's real-life moment. And why are we so intrigued by that? Why do we love that so much? And I realize that it's because it's real. In fact, you can even catch the stuff that's fake when, you know, people try to do some kind of, you know, prank and, it, you know, it's like not real. It's fake. And you're like, no, nah, that's not even a real prank. That's fake. I want the real deal. I want the real stuff, the authentic stuff. So in order to make moments or be a moment maker, we've got to look at our savior. We got to look at our leader, our our example of authenticity, of real. And so I began to study it out. And I want you to study this with me. I want, you, I want you to look at how Jesus created moments, how he made moments. And, and when I studied this out and I took three passages and I, because I, I began to think, okay, how do I deliver this message? How do I really, really take this and, and make it real and alive with the help of the Holy Spirit? And Jesus did three things whenever he was in the moment. Whenever he made a moment, he created moments, he received moments, and he rescued moments. Created, received, rescued moments. So let's go to created moments. Let's look, this is, this, if, if you're at home, which you are, type this in the chat, created moments. I'm going to start in Luke, verse, or chapter 24, And I'm going to start in verse 13. But before we do that, when I say created moments, here's what I mean about created moments. Those are the moments that you have control over. Those are the birthday parties, the surprise parties, the vacations. Those are the moments that come across your Facebook feed from 10 years ago. I hate those because they make me cry every single time I see my son or my daughter at a young age. And I'm thinking like, man, that was a moment. And that was so long ago. But those are created moments that we cherish, created moments. So Luke 24, this is uh, the passage of when uh, two men were traveling from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And just to kind of set up before 
verse 13. This is when Jesus had already been arrested, crucified, buried, but then rose again by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we pick it up right here in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Verse 16, but they were kept from recognizing him. If it were me and I was, I was seeing my friends after being raised from the dead, you know the first thing I would have done? I'm like, hey, hey, I'm here. Look what I did. I'm right here. I, I'm back. But that's not what Jesus did. See, at that moment, these two travelers were going back home to their town of Emmaus. And their, their discussion, I'm sure that their conversation was about, man, do you, do you, did that just happen? Did that just happen? I'm sure they were like, how could this have happened? I thought this and I thought that. I thought things were going to change. And, and then Jesus walks up and he creates a moment that's about them. And that moment about them, he just pulled up and started walking and started, hey, what are you talking about? And they're like, have you not heard about what's happened? You're like the only one that doesn't know? And he's like, no, tell me. And they tell him. And, he's, and, then, and he even says, well, that's something that he was supposed to have gone through. And he proceeded to talk about all the moments within the Old Testament that were about him. See, God meets us where we are, no matter where we are, whether we're in grief, doubt, confusion, God meets us where we are. We cannot escape his mercy and love. And in verse 28, Luke 24, 28, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. And that's funny to me when I read that. Sometimes when you read the word and you don't realize that, well, I didn't see that before, but Jesus literally was like almost like playing a practice. Like he was like, I'm messing with him. Like he was like acting like he was just going to continue. All right, I'll see you later. I'm going to head on. And they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Because Jesus all along is probably thinking, just invite me, invite me, invite me. In Luke 24, 29 through 31, but they urged him strongly, no, stay with us, stay with us. It's nearly evening. The day's almost over, so he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and began to give it to them. And get this in verse 31. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he disappeared from their sight. Only Jesus makes something about someone else and just stage left. Poof, he's gone. When I read that, I thought, it's a perfect example of our Savior making 
creating a moment about someone else. And that's why when we think of our family, this is a family message, not only for our families, but for this world, for our community, making moments is necessary. Making moments is what Jesus did. So much so that we look at it now and we go, wow, we can take from this. We need to make moments about somebody else. Sometimes we can get selfish and we can think about ourselves and try to live our best lives now. Trust me, I've been there and I'm still working on those things, but it is a lot about ourselves. We take these selfies, it's about me. We inch it up a little higher, I'm 10 pounds lighter, it's definitely about me. It's about others. And I, I begin to think, there's, I, I have two children that live with me. They're 14 and 16. But I also have a 32-year-old daughter. Her name is Chanel. She's in California. She's from when I was a teenage father. And I was just raw, learning, had no clue how to make moments, be a father. But I remember later on in life, in her life, she was 14 years old, and she would go to stay with her mom, and then she would come to stay with, with Debbie and I, my wife. And it was difficult. It was not easy. Because there was always this, this window of, like, struggle and, you know, 14, year old, 14 years old and just, you know, she just knew everything, and she just had to, like, push and test. And I, it, it, I was new. I, was, I didn't know how to react, and my wife helped me. And one of the things we did, and it really was interesting because this passage right here talks about Jesus broke bread. There's something about sitting at the table and just asking questions and just listening and just eating and fellowship. And, and that's what we used to do. My wife is the one who suggested it. Let's just sit down with your daughter and just have a moment of food. And every single time, when we did that, she just broke down and she got comfortable and that moment was powerful. We have to mimic our savior in order to create moments that are lasting, that are powerful. Now let's go on to received moments. Everybody type in the chat, received moments. These are the moments that you have no control over. The created moments, you have control. Received moments, these are the God moments. These are the moments that God wants you to catch, receive. These are the aha moments. You know those moments where you're in this situation, you're like, ah. And a lot of times that happens for me afterwards. Those aha moments. Now, I was like, well, what? There's a passage that really dives into this perfectly. And it's found in the Old Testament. It's found in Exodus. And we're going to look at chapter 14, verse 5. But let me set it up just a little bit. Because this is where Moses has helped his people, the Israelites, uh, be freed from captivity. 400 years of captivity from the Egyptians. And Pharaoh, after some situations, after the plagues, and he's like, I've had it with these people. Get them out of here. And so now they're on the run. They're on the go. They're fleeing. But then 
Pharaoh has a change of heart. And it picks up in verse 5, Exodus chapter 14. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. Verse 8, the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites. So now Pharaoh's hot after their trail. He's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not letting them go. I'm coming after them. I'm taking all of my army. The Egyptians, all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen, and troops pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Pi-Hahiroth, opposite Baal-Zephon. Verse 10, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them, and they were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. Have you ever felt like you turned around in life and all of life is crashing down on you. All of your enemies are coming after you. And you turn around and you cry unto the Lord as the Israelites did. They said, Moses, was it because that there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to this desert to die? Here they are complaining and murmuring. What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in this desert. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring You today, the Egyptians that you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. Type in the chat, be still. Sometimes the moment is too big for us. And we need to just be still to receive that moment from God. You know, it's hard to be still. I can't stand still sometimes. There was a time when I would catch up with my emails. Now, it's hot, it's live. I can catch up on my emails and I can send, I can send a text message. I can, I can communicate with whoever I want to right now. It's so hard in our culture to just stop, to rest to pause, to stand still, and just let God do his thing. Let God do his thing. Stand still, son. Stand still, daughter. I got this for you. In this moment, let me be your father. Let me be your strength. Let me be your peace. It reminded me of a time when my wife, this was when uh, 
Mia. She's 16 years old, 2006. And uh, she had gotten sick with preeclampsia, preeclampsia. It's a high blood pressure situation that happens around 20 weeks of a pregnancy. And uh, she wasn't, you know, she had headaches and swelling and her stomach didn't feel good. I mean, there was just, she didn't feel right. So we took her to the hospital. And then when we took her to the hospital, they did all kinds of checks and, and, and balances. And, um, and, you know, we were concerned for sure. I was concerned. But at the same time, I was like, well, you know, we're just going to go. We're going to, it's just normal. Swelling is normal, right? Heartache, uh, heartburn can be normal. But when we were in there, she was laying on the hospital bed, they were just about to release her. And then the nurse saw something on the screen, like the heart did something weird. And it was, it was, it was a, a flag. And I could tell that her, her, her attitude changed. And she shifted and she, she's like, you know what, I'm gonna, I'll be right back. I'm gonna go get the doctor. So she went, got the doctor, brought the doctor back. And the doctor who had no bedside manner, have you ever experienced that? And I love doctors. But this one right here, this one just, give, give, just gave us the information. He said, listen, I've got bad news. I said, if we don't, he, he said, if we don't get your wife to Stanford Hospital on the other side of the bay, she's going to die or your daughter's going to die or they're both going to die. We have to deliver this baby right now. And my whole world crashed. My head was spinning, racing, mile a minute. All I could do was just collapse on the side of her bed. And at that moment, like I could hear myself speaking right now, I could hear and feel God just shh. I got this. So I looked over at my wife. And he reminded me, see, that's my daughter and I love her. Rest in this. I've got this. And so with that, I received that moment of, okay, God, I, I don't know what to do. I have, no, I have no power to do anything. You got this. This is everything to me. This is my world. This is my life. But I'm going to risk everything to have faith and trust in you right now. Whatever happens, whatever happens, I'm putting my trust in you. And it would not have happened if I hadn't paused to perceive that God had my back, that God loved my wife more than I could ever love her. He loved my children more than I could ever love them. So we have to pause to perceive we have to put our phones down sometimes. Let's talk about practical stuff. I was walking across the street from the car to Target, and I had my phone, and I was doing that thing, checking my emails. And my son's walking with me. He's like, 
So why are you always on your phone? Get off your phone. And it's weird because you learn things from your kids sometimes. And he's 14 years old, and he's just got his phone all the time. And right, we always say, yeah, you know, that's generation, Gen Z, you know, they always got their phones and social media and this and that. And here I am, 50 years old, and I've got my phone. I'm almost running into the pillar, trying to send an email out or read an email or whatever I was doing. We have to pause to perceive that that was a moment. Whether we're just walking and talking with my son or my daughter, it's a moment of just hanging out. Maybe he had something special he wanted to tell me or just some, a joke. I mean, we have to pause to perceive. Now let's go on to the, my last point, rescued moments. And when I thought about rescued moments, there are three things, like I said, that Jesus did and that we must do so that we can mimic our Savior. Created moments, received moments, and rescued moments. Now, Rescued moments, life can be hard, amen? It's not fluffy. Life can be beautiful, amazing, but it's not always easy. And I thought, what, where can I find something that can communicate this idea of rescue? And it's all over the Bible. But let me go to Matthew 14. And you all know this. It's been taught in every age level and I'm going to read it, and you'll, you'll see what I'm saying. Matthew 14, 25 through 28. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. Now, just before this, Jesus had just fed 5,000, you know, five loaves, two fish. More than that, because families were there. And he sent the disciples across the lake. And so they're in the boat. And Jesus is praying. And we should take note, side note, if Jesus can take some time, he can create a moment so he can receive a moment from his heavenly father. If Jesus needs to do that, we need to do that. So shortly before dawn, Jesus went out walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, there's always a Peter in the crowd, right? Peter replied, Lord, if it's you, if it's you, tell me, tell me to, to come to you on the water. How many times have we seen Jesus right in front of us? A moment of rescue right in front of us and we ask, is it you? If it's you, tell me to come because I'll come. If it's you, if you're right. In he, verse 29, it said, he, he said, and Jesus didn't say, no, nah, you just handle it on your own. No. Our Savior said, come. Then Peter, he got down out of the boat walked on water, liquid, and he came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, right, when we see the wind, when we see life situations, right, hardships, when we see the wind coming and we see the waves crashing, he was afraid and he began to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. 
And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. He said, you of little faith, he said, why did you doubt me? And I feel like Jesus wasn't criticizing him. He just knew where Peter was. But see, the thing is that Jesus will meet us where we are. And he will, with an open heart and an open hand, and he will reach down and he will yank us up and rescue us in no matter what situation that we are. But we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. Because if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, we will sink. But if we do, miracles will happen. It's like when a baseball coach tells uh, the player, hey, keep your eyes on the ball. Because if you don't, you either strike out or the thing could hit you in the face. There's something to be said about keeping your eyes on Jesus. But it's a lifestyle. It's not a one and done. It's like me driving across this bay, this big body of water as I'm headed to Stanford Hospital. And all I could do was keep my eyes on Jesus as I'm driving and I'm sweating and I'm thinking, Lord, what's gonna happen? I don't know. I'm following the ambulance and the ambulance is going and I'm keeping my eyes, but I had this feeling of peace like, I got you. I got you. Two things Jesus would do was he opened his heart and he would open his hands. But there's something really critical. When you open your heart and you open your hand to people. Let me go back to my oldest daughter, Chanel, whom I love very much. And by the grace of God, we have a relationship. She's 14, 15. This is not the week she's with us, but then she calls me. And I'm like, man, she called me. Because, like, she, she wasn't having what I was, you know, communicating. Like, I was different. I was this, you know, Bible-thumping Jesus believer now. And, like, that's just not who you were before. And, like, she, she would, throw, you know. But she called me. At a time of desperation, she needed rescuing. And she's like, Dad, can you pick me up? I'm at my friend's house. Um, I'm not, you know, I know she'd been partying too much. Basically is what she was saying, and she didn't feel safe. So I said, okay, this is my moment. Let me go pick her up. Let me be, do my dad thing. And I picked her up, and I brought her home, and I could tell she was just partying too much. I could tell it was all in her. I could smell it on her. I was like, but in that moment, I felt like God was saying, don't, don't criticize, love her. This is a moment. And so I opened my heart and I opened my hand and I brought her home and we loved on her and we let her rest and we let her sleep and we fed her. And then she woke up and then my thought was in talking to my wife, it's like, you know what? We need to like have her come live with us. We had already been talking about this, but we, let's, let's fight. Let's get her to live with us, and we can, like, we can just really take care of her, and we can, we, can, we can do all this, and we can do all that. And then when he approached her and asked her, and I put it all on the line to come live with us, her response was no. My final thought is that we must risk 
in order to rescue. We got to risk world overcomers. Is there someone that you know that you can risk everything for to rescue them? Jesus wasn't comfortable on the cross with his arms stretched out and nails nailed to the cross. There's no comfort in that. So what if we try to rescue? Now, obviously, in our own strength, we can't rescue anyone, right? But with Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us that. Yes, we, we will risk everything. We will risk making a fool out of ourselves. We will risk my daughter saying, nope, I'd rather live with my mom. We would risk whatever it is that's hurtful to you. Or they could say, yes, I need rescue. Or you could be planting a seed that someone else down the road will risk rescuing and open their hand and pull her out and fruit will come from that. We must risk in order to rescue. And in, com in completing everything, sometimes God ties all of these things together. The created moments, the received moments, and the rescued moments, he'll pull them all together into this nice package. There's, and this is my last story. I love to tell stories because it lets you in on a real moment of time in my life. And I hope that it blesses you. From the hardships to the, to the winds, you, we need that from each other. We need community, fellowship, your families, and not just your families, but a church family, our community. But there was this, so I'm from Oakland, California. That was where I was born and raised. And uh, there's a park there called Mosswood Park. And that's where all the hooper hoopers play. Like if you're a baller and you're a basketball player, you're a street baller, that's where you go to play. They had three-on-three -three tournaments. I mean, they were good. I was never, not even close. But I would go and I would exercise. I was, you know, I'd gone since I was young because I would walk to the park and I would see them play. And as I got older and I was a young adult, I was about 18 years old at this time, I would go because I played football and I would play basketball just to stay in shape and, you know, hang out with some of my friends. So here I was creating a moment to go and hang out, play basketball. And there's that one guy. Have you ever been to like the YMCA and, or anywhere? And there's that one guy, that one dude that's like over like the top excited to be there. So there was this one guy. He was there. He was pumped up. He had the short shorts at the time. I don't even think they were in anymore because now they're kind of coming back. But, you know, and he had the tube socks all the way up to the knees, right, with the big stripes, the red stripes across the... And he was like, you could see him from, a, from afar. We were playing, and you could see him on the sideline. And he was like stretching, you know. He was like Ugh, doing this. He was like, you know, doing some of these. And, and then he was just like started, you know, jumping jacks. He was getting all warmed up. And we're like, we're like laughing, right? But look at this guy. Look at, look at, look at, look at. He's really serious. He's about it. And, 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 and he's just like ready. He's like, ah. And so he gets on. He, he, he gets on the next, uh, in the next game. And he's that guy that goes for everything. He's blocking shots. He's almost too aggressive, right? <laughs> that one guy, right? Too much. And you're like, whoa, 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 chill out, calm down. And, 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 and we asked, 
hey, man, why are you like this? And he's like, you want to know why I'm like this? Okay, this is the received moment. You want to know why I'm like this? I'm like this because, you know, when I was younger, I was in a gang. And I was wrong. I was in East Oakland. And then just somebody out of nowhere, I got shot and I was paralyzed. And at that moment, we like changed. He might as well just slapped us across the face. There was an aha moment. We were like, and he's like, yeah. And when I was, in, I was rehabbing, I was in the hospital. I was like, man, I need to get up. I need to get walking. And then my friend, he started talking to me about this guy named Jesus. And I was like, man, if that's going to help me, I, I, I'm going to receive him. So, so I'm going to receive him into my life. So he, got, so he received, I received Jesus into my life. And I began to heal. And I said, God, if you, if you bring me to full health, I will not stop living for you. I will not stop running for you. And that's why I'm right here. I'm here to tell my story. I'm, I'm just excited because I was laid in a bed, crippled. And now I'm up here hooping with the Hooper Hoopers and telling my story. And we're like, oh. And we told him, I said, hey, man, because when he left, I mean, he, he just spoke so much life into us as young people. He was an older guy. And we told him, hey, man, just stay up. Keep going. And he's like, I'm good. He almost looked at us like he was like, I'm good. I'm, I'm strong. I'm, I am going. <laughs> that was for you. And it reminded me that we have to pay attention. We have to be intentional about creating moments with our families, creating moments with the people we love, creating moments with the people that need Jesus, with our community. But stuff gets in the way. And at that time, I really wasn't hearing it. But it was an aha moment for me to go, huh, he risked everything to look like a fool and spread some seed into some young people playing hoop. Ridiculed and all, he risked everything. Didn't care. I heard it. But nothing happened at that point, not until years later. But see, that seed came up inside of me. When we gaze at God and we glance at life, we'll be unstoppable. We will share the message of Jesus. We will create moments. We will receive moments. We will rescue moments. We will, if we gaze at God and just glance at life, then people will see the face of Jesus in a fresh and new way. Family, let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for having the opportunity to communicate your gospel, to spend time in fellowship with people, your people, your children. 
Lord, we just pray blessings over everyone that's tuning in. We pray that they receive moments, that they have the energy to create moments, and that they have an open heart and open hand to rescue moments so that we can be like Jesus, our Savior. Father, we just pray for every single person in here. Bless them. You know what they need, Father God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, reach into every home and give them exactly what they need, a refresher, give them love, give them all good things. And we ask you this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Well, we love you, family. We'll see you on Sunday. Peace. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www.worldovercomers.church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.